Today's podcast is brought to you by Something Blue by Anita Kay, specializing in wedding and event photography. Visit her page on Facebook. For those in love, capture those memories with Something Blue by Anita Kay. This is Unbridled Enthusiasm Podcast with Mark Poulos. So fuck you and fuck your baby and fuck your wife. <laughs> Why fuck them all? So you have headphones. We're recording at a barbecue gas station. We're not pausing this to put a baby in there. So, uh, so you can just stop it right. You're half drunk and high oh, trying to read a map. Right, here we go. We're literally. We are on, <laughs> on the edge of the Grand Canyon. That's my whole job when I'm on the road is protecting my butt. Stoner. And the fat man. He says, man. You really need to turn your life around. Fuck you, Mark. Mark, pull up the <laughs> Hello, folks, and welcome back to the Unbridled Enthusiasm podcast. Uh, it's good to be back. Mark Pulos, as always. Um, it's another edition of The Ride Home. Driving home on Sunday, and uh, it's the end of the week, so thought it'd uh, be interesting to recount some of the things that happened this week. Uh, So this week I did four nights in Birmingham, Alabama at the Stardome, and then Saturday I was at uh, Joker's in Cedar Falls, Iowa. And uh, it was a really fun week. I haven't been back to the Stardome in like two or three years, so just getting able to do that was amazing. Like if you're ever in Birmingham or near Birmingham, you should see a show at the Stardome. I don't know what they're doing there but they're doing it right because it's like a stadium seated theater comedy club and they get like they do shows Tuesday through Sunday and they get like just sold out crowds every night down there it's crazy and they're fun and they're just you know it's a good time all the people at the club are amazing um and this week I got to work with uh, a really good friend um we became fast friends I actually only met him about three or four years ago, and uh, we met, uh, there's a contest that they do in Indianapolis every year called the Trial by Laughter, and I actually won it in uh, 2011, beating this guy very narrowly, (laughs) and he never lets me forget it. Every time we work together, he insists on calling himself the co-winner of the 2011 Trial by Laughter because he just can't accept the fact that I beat him. Because basically what happened at the trial by laughter is he he's from Indianapolis, and there was another kid that was in the finals who was from Indianapolis, Ryan Niemiller, and Mike Gardner is the other guy. So they uh, the way the finals worked was it was something like, 80% of the votes came from the judges and then like 20% of the votes came from the audience. But if the audience was voting, they couldn't only pick one comedian. They had to pick two comedians that were their favorites, which was going to somehow weed out like any false positives as far as the winners go. So what I think happened was um, since the crowd was basically half... Ryan Niemiller fans and half Mike Gardner fans, um, I think they basically told each other's groups, like, um, vote for me and then whoever you want, just don't make it Mike Gardner. And then the other side was like, you know, pick whoever, just don't, 
don't pick Ryan Niemiller because they knew that that was going to be a big part of the final tally. So I think somehow both of those groups picked me as their number two, and I somehow squeaked through to the final to win the whole thing. But he is funny about that. He just <laughs> I can tell it bothers him, and uh, I got to tell you, I when I was there that night, I I felt like I had the best set because. With the contest, what they do there, which I really like, is A, um, since they were broadcasting it on television, your sets had to be TV clean, and Mike and Ryan are are kind of filthier comics, so that, that restraint that they put on them, I think, kind of pulled them back a little bit, whereas I, I feel like I'm able to do filthy and clean comedy about as funny, so there's that restraint and then they have where you have to go each round you have to do different material you can't you can't repeat material and that's kind of a tall order because in the preliminaries you do five minutes in the semi-finals you do five minutes and then at the finals you do 20 minutes so all of those sets have to be different and you can't repeat any jokes so I think happened with Mike <laughs> because I got there to the club that night and he was in the lobby and he had like all these joke books open and all these notebooks open on the table and he's just like frantic and I'm like what's going on and he goes I have no idea what I'm going to do tonight he goes I've used up all my clean material so basically right before the show started he came in the green room and he just started congratulating all of us for winning the contest and we were like what are you doing and he goes dude I seriously I have no more jokes to tell that are clean and I said well what are you going to do and he goes I've got one bit about a billboard and then uh, after that it's devil may care I have no idea where it's going to go so he did this uh joking about an abortion billboard and it didn't really go over that well and then he was just kind of bebopping and scatting and then his 20 minutes was up frankly I I was surprised that he got second place that night just based on that one set like if it was a normal comedy contest where you could do whatever you wanted and be completely uncensored and whatever he obviously would have won the whole thing because he's that funny but under those constraints and, and based on that one specific finale set, I really didn't think he deserved second place, but he had brought so many people in the crowd, that's it ended up happening. But after that, we became, you know, really good friends. And, uh, you know, we would chat a lot on the phone. He ended up opening a couple comedy clubs, which have since closed because he wants to focus on his comedy career, which I get because, man, it's got to be brutal trying to run comedy clubs and do your stand-up stuff. But I have a funny story about... So the first time that I went and I worked his comedy club in Bloomington, Illinois, um, it was basically the first week that he had taken over the comedy club. So the comedy condo wasn't really even set up yet. So when I get into town, like, I kind of helped him out. Like, we went to... I think it was like Costco or Sam's Club and we got some furniture and, and other shit for the condo and and we set it up and shit and got the TV and the and all this other shit going on. And then uh, 
the week of shows there were fun. So then it was, uh, I think it was about a year and a half later, I went back and worked there again. And when we were talking on the phone, he said, he said, uh, so it's this, you know, it's this money, uh, plus you can stay in the condo or I'll get you a, a hotel room for the weekend and shave a hundred bucks off your money. And at the time I kind of needed the money. So I was like, well, I'll just do the condo. <laughs> so ridiculous. So I get into town, I meet the, the manager and uh, he lets me into the condo and I had stayed there the year before and it looked like a normal like apartment like it was clean and and it looked like a comedy apartment so he opens the door and it's like a fucking disaster area there's like shit everywhere there's garbage everywhere and I'm like what's going on here and he goes well I live here too now I was like you live in the comedy condo and he goes well yeah there's like three bedrooms so I live here I've got a buddy who lives here and then another buddy's crashing on the couch right now. And I go, wait a minute. There's three dudes living in here right now? And so my room was like kind of an offshoot from the living room. And it had its own door and it locked and everything. And he's like, well, you're, you're pretty self-sustained in here, you know. It's, and the room was clean and everything was fine. But in my head, I'm like, I don't know if I can go three days sharing a toilet and a shower with three other dudes like I'm not in fucking college anymore like what is this so of course I immediately called up Mike and I was like I don't think this is gonna work out man I go I think I'm gonna go with the hotel and and something was going on in town so he wasn't he was like the hotels are all sold out like you're kind of stuck and I go man I don't want to stay here I go this is horrible and to add insult to injury one of the guys comes in and it's not only like three dudes, but the one guy has a gigantic like bull mastiff dog that's like just barking the entire time. And I go, I gotta get the fuck out of here. So Mike shows up and he actually lived in an apartment in the same building like down the hall. So he came and he was like, you know what? Why don't you just come stay in my place and you can sleep in my daughter's room <laughs> and I'm like oh god man and he goes no it's fine man it's fine she's not here it'll be alright and I'm like alright and it actually ended up being pretty cool because we got to hang out all week and, and chat about life and comedy and shit so it was pretty fun but so back to Birmingham it was really cool to see that I was working with him you know we got to chat more and and his daughter came with and and they were just like really fun shows i remember the first show we're out there trying to like sell our stuff after the show and this old man comes out and uh i obviously saw a shirt that says flapjacks and tits on it and he's giving me a bunch of shit about the shirt and he goes you like titties huh and then he like opened up his shirt and this guy's like 60 or 70 and he had both of his nipples pierced. And I was like, oh, God. And then after he buttons up his shirt, he, like, makes really long, awkward eye contact with me. And he goes, you know what, sonny? 
you look like you need to get knocked the fuck out. And I said, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah, you just got that look like you, like you need your teeth knocked down your fucking throat. And I was like, I hope this is a bit because I really not like my teeth to be knocked down the back of my throat, you know? <laughs> and his wife kind of diffused a little bit and she's like, come on, honey, you've had a little bit too much to drink. And he's like, yeah, you're probably right. He goes, I don't need to go to jail tonight, but this son of a bitch looks like he needs to get his teeth knocked out. And I was like, all right, bye. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, most of the other nights, everything was fine out there. Just, uh, chatting with people and selling shirts and stuff. And it rained like a son of a bitch the whole time that I was down there. And, um, but it was just cool, you know. <clears throat> and then I had to leave there and drive like 14 hours to Iowa to get to the show last night, which was a just a fucking disaster. I I don't know what it is, man, but Cedar Falls, Iowa has had a comedy room since I started in comedy, and I think it's been like 20 years now. But when I first started going to Cedar Falls like 14 years ago, they had a club there where it was Friday and Saturday. And uh, it was a weird club because it was like a dance club and they did comedy. And like towards the end of the comedy, people would show up to dance and it would get like rowdy and crazy. And, and it was just always an interesting thing. The, fir the first time I ever worked there um, after the show there was this girl that, God, this is like 2002, she was like, you should come and sing karaoke with us, and, you know, being 22 or 23, whatever I was, I was like, yeah, I'll do that, you know, because I'm trying to find the ladies on the road, so we went, started singing karaoke, and there was this other lady there who uh, was like in her 40s, and she took a liking to me, and she just kind of, like, I was talking to this girl that was, like, 24, and I was interested in her, and this other girl just kind of pushed in between us, um, to try to seal me away, <laughs> and, uh, she was a lot more aggressive than the other girl, and, and I am very passive, so I don't know why, but it kind of, like, I, I was more attracted to that, even though she was like 20 years older than the other girl. But as the night went on, she got more and more drunk and more and more crazy. And I was like, all right, now I have to distance myself from this lady. I don't know how it's going to work. And I'm not that assertive at all. So like after the bar closed, it was pretty obvious that the younger girl wanted to hang out with me more, but the uh, older one just kind of pushed her aside because I was like, I don't really know how to get back to my hotel from here, which is like, you know, kind of a code for the other girl to be like, hey, you know, you know, can you show me how to get back to my hotel? Wink, wink, you know, and she kind of didn't take the bait, but the older lady's like, oh, you can follow me. I'll show you exactly where your hotel was. And I was like, that kind of makes me worry that she knows where the comedian's hotel is. <laughs> She's probably banged every comedian that's come through here. So we get uh, 
back to the hotel and I was actually still contemplating like it's pretty obvious that this lady is ready to ready to go she's ready to party tonight and do whatever <laughs> but as we're getting close to the hotel I have to take a shit so I'm like well this is not going to happen now because I'm like there's no way that I'm going to be able to kind of separate myself from her and take a shit before we get to the sex so I was like I got back to the hotel and, and I was like alright thanks and I just went into my room and uh, and I went straight in the bathroom and I was like taking a shit and like after five minutes she started knocking because it was like a hotel where you pull up to the hotel and just go in your door so she just started knocking on my door and uh, she's like can I come in for a bit or and I just didn't answer her and uh, she got all pissed off and left but that was the first time that I ever went there and the second time that I went to Cedar Falls wasn't much better because <laughs> the second time I went to Cedar Falls Saturday morning I was like driving around town and I feel like the next day was the Super Bowl and I went to the grocery store there and there was a guy outside the grocery store and this was like 10:30 in the morning and he's like cooking a bunch of shit on a hibachi and I thought that he was like affiliated with the grocery store but it turned out that he wasn't he was just some guy cooking food on a hibachi outside the grocery store and trying to sell it so I ended up buying a hot dog off of him and I got fucking salmonella food poisoning from it and I almost had to go to the hospital like two days later because I was so dehydrated. And the funniest thing about that is the very next time that I went to Cedar Falls, I got food poisoning from Wendy's after the show on Saturday. I did the show on Saturday and uh, I got a little something to eat from Wendy's. And then I went to bed and I woke up at like three in the morning and I had like horrible stomach cramps. I was sweating, like, my heart was beating really fast, and, like, I just couldn't, I couldn't fall asleep, so I just made the decision to start driving home, which was a great idea. I got to, uh, I got to a little outside Albert Lee, and I went, I went into the, re the, the rest area bathroom, and there was a guy just finishing up cleaning the bathroom, and, like, he was putting the shit in the closet, and then I went into the bathroom, and I went into the handicap stall, and it, it was just like, you know, horrible diarrhea. And like halfway through it, I started vomiting everywhere in that, and I got done, and I was like, I have just ruined this entire place. Like, what the fuck? <coughs> and then I walked out, and I just made eye contact with that guy, and I was like, I'm sorry. And I just left. But, uh,. There's always another interesting feature about Cedar Falls if, uh, if you're a comedian going there. For the longest time, there's a lady that lives in Cedar Falls. And if you're a comic and you're listening to this podcast, you're already starting to laugh. So there's a lady that lives in Cedar Falls. Um, and she dabbled a bit in pornography and I, I don't exactly know how it all started from what I could gather 
is uh, she ran a company for a while where it was kind of like dancers for hire, stripper type of things, and she was kind of doing some stripping, and then um, they ended up going to uh, Cedar Rapids at some point to see Ron Jeremy do stand-up comedy. And there was a time where Ron Jeremy was touring as a stand-up comic, and his show was called Inside Ron Jeremy or something like that, and it was like a spoof on that John Malkovich movie that came out where it was like Inside John Malkovich. So he would do these like crazy comedy shows, and then he would bring like strippers with him, and they would like pull their tits out on stage and stuff. So she ended up at the show in Cedar Rapids, and uh, one thing led to another, and somehow she ended up having sex with Ron Jeremy, and they filmed it. So for whatever reason, she started like distributing that movie of her having sex with Ron Jeremy. So basically what she would do is, is she really liked stand-up comedy, and she was married to this guy and he liked stand-up comedy, and, like, as soon as you saw him, like, you could tell that they were swingers, like, they were pretty much up for anything, and so they would, they would come to the shows, and they would hang out with the comedians, and then they would, she would, like, offer them this porno movie of her having sex with Ron Jeremy in trade for, like, their comedy CD or whatever, so I, of course, made the trade when I was younger, and it was a horrible film. It was like 20 minutes long, and it was just like old fat Ron Jeremy having sex with this old lady. And uh, it was just such a weird thing because the first time I ever met her, like we did the trade on Friday, and then she ended up coming back on Saturday because she was like, I really enjoyed your show. And she was like, uh, we had a bake sale yesterday so I thought it'd be nice to to bring you some cookies so I was like oh well thanks I appreciate that so then it became a thing like every time I went to Cedar Falls she would show up with her husband and she would bring me cookies and it was just so strange because she would, every time I went there like she would bring me cookies and then like the other comedian would tell me about some crazy story where he ended up at a party at their house and there was a bunch of chicks making out and shit and I was like wait a minute why am I just getting cookies you know but it was just the thing like I don't know what it was but there was one time where because they were always there at the show and I would go there like once a year sometimes a couple times a year and one time I went there and she wasn't there and I was like well it's kind of weird so the next week I was working in at the Looney Bin in Oklahoma City, and when I got there, they said, uh, hey, Mark, there's a package here for you. And I was like, what? And so she had mailed a package to the next comedy club that I was working at with cookies in it and, like, her new movie that she just filmed where she basically has lesbian sex with her neighbor or something. And I was like, this is really weird. But uh, over the last, like, ten years, that club is like, closed a bunch of times, and they've gone down to one night. Now they're just doing, like, once a month. I think it's been, like, three years since I've been there. 
and uh, and they showed up last night again, and it's just so funny because it's like literally like 14 years later from the first time I met them, and I think we all just look haggard, you know, gray hair and just fat and old, <laughs> and it was just like just kind of thinking back to the the beginning where it was so crazy in Cedar Falls and what it's become down there now. There was like 17 people in the crowd where there used to be like two or 300 and, you know, she's obviously gained a lot of weight and, and gotten older and, and her husband's gotten quite a bit older and I'm definitely a lot older and uh, it's just funny how time goes by, man, you know. But, you know, it's one of those things where Cedar Falls will always be that legend or that that place where crazy things used to happen, you know. But uh, it's an interesting time. There's a lot of those places. You know, I'm creeping up on 15 years in the business, and it's just funny to go back to certain places that used to be like the shit, you know, Cedar Falls is one of those, and, uh, definitely Appleton at the Skyline, that place used to be, like, the pinnacle of comedy, and now it's just kind of gone away, and I was telling, I was working with John Russell, and I just told him the other day, I said, it just looks, it's, Cedar Falls just looks weird now, because it used to feel like there was thousands of people that lived there, and, like, it was Saturday night at, like, 8 o'clock, and I saw, like, four cars on the road. I'm like, where the fuck is everybody? It's almost like there was a mass ex- exodus from that town. But uh, that's comedy, you know? It shifts. It's like Birmingham. It may always be amazing. It's been amazing for 25 years. It's probably always going to be amazing. Cedar Falls is, like two clicks away from being shut down for good, you know, but, uh, it was a fun week, and I'm just, it was a long week, I started, I left my house Monday night, so I'm, I'm really happy to get home, but, uh, yeah, check out my website, I got a bunch of new dates up there, um, stuff I'm doing, and, uh, I'm currently working on material for my next comedy album, so if you come out and see me, there's going to be a ton of new stuff. And uh, you can always get the po- the podcast at uh, Tuned In, Stitcher, iTunes, Podbean. And, uh, yeah, tune in, uh, tune in next time when we talk about who knows.